It's so good to be together, Purpose Church. So glad we're all together once again. And I also want to welcome our friends from across the nation and around the world. Do you know that we've had thousands of people joining us online from over 30 different states, from over 40 different countries, from every continent in the world except for Antarctica. So if somebody could work on Antarctica, that would really be awesome. Now I know that it's a different kind of experience to be online, and I'm so grateful for your flexibility. So here's a video that Pastor Eric and Sarah Holmstrom made to show the difference between the ideal and the reality of being part of an online service, especially when you have young children at home. Let's watch this. Parents, you're doing a great job. Uh, keep it up. Uh, but next week uh, is going to be one of the easiest invitations next uh, Easter Sunday uh, that you will ever make. It's not just inviting your family or your friends to uh, go to church with you. It's not just even inviting them to the Fairplex, which we do every year. It's asking them just to stay home and turn on their computer or their mobile device. Uh, I've loved a couple of things that, I, that I've seen online this past week. The first one, still haven't decided where to go for Easter, the living room or the bedroom. And then here's an, another one. Ladies, may I introduce the line of Easter dresses for 2020? And so just invite your family and friends to join us online uh, for one of our two Good Friday services, either at 5.30 or 7, uh, or one of our five Easter services on Sunday at our regular times, 8.30, 9.45, 11 but we've added a couple after that at 1 o'clock and 2.30 p.m. So seven services all together, uh, two on Friday night, five on Easter Sunday. Now our creative communications team has put some awesome shareable social media re resources on our website uh, for you to send to a friend or to share on your own social media accounts. Uh, all you have to do is go to purposechurch.com slash Easter. Also, they'll be adding some all week long as the week goes on. So check back frequently for more uh, fun things to share and invite your friends. This is absolutely uh, an historic strategic opportunity like never before. I, I really believe in the 2,000 year history of the church globally, there's never been an opportunity like this. And in our 150 year history as a church, there's never been an opportunity like this. Uh, these seven services over Easter weekend to invite your friends and family uh, to join us on Easter weekend. So let's, as a church, Purpose Church, let's seize the moment. Now today, on Palm Sunday, as we start remembering the most important week in history, the title of our message is, When Your Week Turns Upside Down. Can you believe it was just three and a half weeks ago on a, on a Wednesday night, March 11th, 
uh, that everything was normal here on our campus at Purpose Church. We had our normal Wednesday night programming here for children, uh, for students, uh, groups were meeting, choir uh, was meeting. Everything was somewhat normal three and a half weeks ago on that Wednesday night. And then practically overnight, everything changed. Our week and our lives got turned upside down. And that's exactly what happened in Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday uh, about 2,000 years ago. We're going to look at the week that turned the world upside down. Now, there were four men who wrote the biographies of Jesus' life. And Matthew, 40% of his biography is devoted just to the final week of, of Jesus' life. Uh, Luke, 33% uh, of his, uh, of the, uh, 33% of uh, Luke's gospel or biography was devoted to the final week uh, of Jesus' life. Uh, Mark, uh, 60% of the uh, biography of Mark was devoted just to the final week of Jesus' life and 43% of the gospel of John. Uh, the four biographies, or what are called the Gospels, the good news of the life of Jesus, have a total of 89 chapters. And the first 30 years of Jesus' life, there's only four chapters devoted to that. The last three and a half years of Jesus' life, there are 85 chapters uh, devoted to that. And the last week of Jesus' life, uh, 29 of the 85 chapters are devoted just to the final week of Jesus' life. So you can see the huge importance that the gospel writers put on Passion Week or Holy Week. It is literally the week in human history that changed everything. It changed everything. And it all started with Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now let's talk about that donkey uh, for a moment. This is the luckiest donkey in the world. Uh, I came across some uh, facts about donkeys this past week. Donkeys live to be 30 to 40 years old. Some live as long as 60 years old. Uh, what's a donkey's favorite thing to do? Uh, I thought it was to eat, but it's not to eat. I thought, well, it's to sleep, but it's not to sleep. A donkey's favorite pastime is rolling in the dirt. Uh, you know how a donkey has long ears? Those ears serve as uh, almost like a cooling system, an air conditioning that keeps the donkey cool. Those long ears also help a donkey to hear things that are miles away. Now, the most interesting factoid about a donkey uh, came from the London Times, and I don't even know how they figured this one out. More people are killed by donkeys each year than in airplane crashes. More people die from donkey accidents than from airplane accidents. So any of us that have a fear of flying, it's donkeys that you really need to be afraid of. Now, uh, Palm Sunday uh, happened on the 10th day of Nisan, the Jewish month of Nisan, uh, not the car, but the Jewish month of Nisan. And on this day, the Jewish people would select their Passover lamb, which would be sacrificed later in the week on the 14th day of Nisan. And in our calendar, that would be April 6, 32 AD. And so we want to look at three truths that we can discover from the Palm Sunday story. Uh, the first truth is that Jesus is more appealing than religion. Jesus is more appealing than religion. Uh, picking up the story in John 12, verse 12, the next day the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, which means save us now, 
Oh Lord, save us, save us now. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of, of Israel. Now the Jewish people had three major festivals. Uh, the festival of Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles, and now uh, the Passover feast. And every year they did the same thing religiously over and over again. The same ceremonies, the same ritual. And they were hungry for something more. Within them, there was this emptiness. They desired something more. And so Jesus, when he came, he was a breath of fresh air. Uh, he was far more compelling than the rituals of religion. Here's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I particularly love it in the old-fashioned King James translation. It says in Mark chapter 12, and the common people heard him gladly. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you glad that common people like, like, like us, like, like me. It says the common people, the ordinary people heard him gladly. Uh, Jesus had a confrontation with the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and they asked him, why do your disciples uh, not wash their hands before they eat? Now this wasn't for uh, cleansing uh, purposes. This was for a ceremonial reason. And Jesus responded to them, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Um, the, uh, verse 9, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Their teachings are merely human rules. And the Pharisees had 613 commandments or rules that they wanted everybody to keep. Now, why was Jesus so much more compelling than religion? Uh, I want to list four of them from Skip Heidzig, and I want to uh, make it real clear, I'm using a bunch of his material. Just he had some great, great uh, material uh, on Palm Sunday, and I'm using that here today. Uh, here's the first thing that Skip Heidzig says. Religion emphasizes the outward. Jesus emphasizes the inward. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 23, blind Pharisee, First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Uh, the second reason why Jesus was more compelling is that religion is about what you can't do. Jesus is about what you can do. He basically says, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself, and all these uh, can'ts and cans will, will fall into place. Religion is, specializes in what you can't do. Uh, Jesus is about what you can do. I remember growing up in Southern Virginia, we had a little saying, I don't drink, dance, or chew, or go with girls who do. Uh, and so religion is, is, is all about what you can't do. Jesus is about what you can do. Uh, the third one is religion puts up barriers. Jesus pulls down barriers at the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, there were all these barriers or walls uh, to keep you out uh, if you were non-Jewish, there was an outer court called the Court of the Gentiles. If you were Jewish and a woman, you could come a little bit closer. If you were Jewish and you were a man, you could come even closer. If you were a Jewish priest, you could come even closer. But there were barriers and walls to prevent you from getting too close to God. Because religion is really good at keeping people out. But not Jesus. Uh, Paul wrote to the followers of Christ at Ephesus, in a city that is today in the nation of Turkey. And for he himself, he's talking about Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one 
and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. In contrast to religion uh, saying, keep out, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then a fourth thing about religion that makes Jesus more compelling is religion says, work your way to God. Jesus says, I am the way to God. Uh, It's the difference between do versus done. Every religion in the world is all about what you must do to work your way, to earn your way, to be closer uh, to God. You've got to follow this list of do's or avoid this list of don'ts or do these rituals or do these ceremonies uh, or follow these traditions, uh, this particular path of enlightenment. Everything is about what you've got to do and maybe, just maybe, you'll get close to God and maybe, possibly, he'll let you into heaven someday. Now, Jesus comes along and says, it's not about what you do. It's about what I have done for you on the cross. I have done this because I love you and you merely need to accept it. It's not about what you do. It is about what I have done. So as Jesus comes into Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday, the people shout out, Hosanna, save us now. Save us from the treadmill of religion. Uh, Save us now. Jesus, you are far more compelling than the religion that we've been following. Now, second thing we can learn from uh, Palm Sunday is that Scripture is more reliable than opinion. Scripture, uh, God's Word, the Bible, is more reliable than opinion. Picking it up with verse 14. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Now today, everybody has an opinion of Jesus. Jesus is the most talked about person in all of human history. He's the most controversial figure in all of human history. Today, everybody's got an opinion about Jesus. Uh, Some say he's a great teacher. Some say he's a prophet. Uh, Some that Jesus is a great moral example. And the same was true back in, in Jesus' day. Everybody had an opinion of Jesus. In Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? What's the opinion out there on the street? Uh, They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, were any of those opinions in Jesus' day, were any of them correct? Or accurate. No, they weren't. Now, the opinion that he was a prophet, that probably came the closest to the truth, but even that was uh, inadequate. Even that was, was incomplete. So how did the disciples come to the conclusion that Jesus was the Son of God? Well, they had seen his miracles. They had heard his teaching. But also, they came to that conclusion because of the scriptures that they had what we call the Old Testament scriptures uh, that they had uh, before uh, Jesus came. There were over 300 prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus that were in the scriptures. Uh, uh, These were most, all of them were hundreds of years old. Some of them were even thousands of years before Jesus came. And the one we find here in this story is from the book of Zechariah. This was given 500 years before Jesus. Zechariah 9 verse 9 Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. 
See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Uh, What scripture says that Jesus is, is more reliable than what people think Jesus is. Uh, The scripture, what the scripture says he is, is more reliable than what people think he is. Now, why did he ride on a donkey? Well, this uh, showed his identity. Uh, Kings rode donkeys in times of peace in order to offer terms of peace uh, because the donkey was considered an animal of peace. But in wartime, kings would not ride donkeys. They would ride horses. And that's why when Jesus comes the next time, he won't be riding a donkey. He's going to be riding a horse. Uh, John has given a a vision, a a prophecy of what's going to happen in the uh, end times when Jesus comes back uh, the second time. And it says in Revelation 19 verse 11, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice he judges and wages war. Now all four biographies of Jesus record the story of Palm Sunday and John tells more about the event. That's the passage we've been reading. But Luke tells us a little bit more about what Jesus said on that day. In Luke 19, verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on, on every side. Now this was a prophecy of Jesus of what would happen 40 years later. And it was fulfilled exactly the way Jesus said it would be when the Romans destroyed the city of Jerusalem in 70 AD. He goes on to say, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize The time of God's coming to you. Let's hold that there for just a moment. Let's just camp on that for just a second. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Why should they have known? Why should they have recognized the time of God's coming to them? Well, because they had the scriptures. Uh, One of those was uh, written by Daniel 500 years before Jesus. And in Daniel 9, verses 25 and 26, and again, this is just one out of 300 prophecies about Jesus. Let's just pick one of them. Uh, He said, know and understand this, from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put uh, to death. And, and this very, very specific prophecy about when the Messiah would come and, and when he would arrive in Jerusalem and when he would be put to death. Uh, basically says there will be 480 years between when the command to rebuild Jerusalem would take place and the Messiah would be killed. Uh, Sir Robert Anderson was a, a legendary investigator and intelligence officer for the, Scot- for the Scotland Yard. And he, he died, interestingly or ironically enough, because we're talking about him today, 
Uh, he died in the last pandemic before the one that we're in, the coronavirus uh, pandemic. The last great pandemic was the Spanish flu in 1918. And Sir Robert Anderson died of the Spanish flu in 1918. But before he died, he wrote a book called The Coming Prince, where he as an investigator, as an intelligence officer, investigated these two verses from Daniel that we were just looking at. And he discovered through his research that King Artaxerxes gave the order to rebuild Jerusalem on March 14th, 445 BC. And according to this prophecy, something significant would happen 173,880 days later. Well, 173,880 days later was the 10th day of the Jewish month Nisan, which was April 6, 32 AD, the day, the very day, prophesied 500 years in advance, the very day that Jesus rode into uh, Jerusalem. Uh, in verse 16 of chapter 12, we continue the story. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified, that means after his resurrection, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. There is greater security in God's word than there is in people's opinions because scripture is more reliable than opinion. And then the, the third one that we can learn from Palm Sunday is that following is more important than observing. And we see four groups of people here observing or watching what's going on on Palm Sunday. The first was the disciples that we just read about uh, in, in verse 16. And then the second group were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Lazarus that had happened before Palm Sunday. And these were people that had seen uh, Jesus raise uh, Lazarus from the dead. Uh, verse 17, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. And so the third group that was there on Palm Sunday watching this is those who had heard from the eyewitnesses about what Jesus had done. Verse 18, many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. And then the fourth group uh, were the Pharisees. Uh, verse 19, so the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Let's just hold it there for just a second. What a prophetic word from the enemies of Jesus. Here, all these prophecies coming true, hundreds of them, just impossible odds for them to happen by accident. And here's one more We're from his enemies 2,000 years ago. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Jesus launched the greatest movement in world history. It's, it's all around the globe. It's, it's everywhere, every racial group, every ethnic group, every language, linguistic group. It, it, this movement is everywhere. It's the biggest, the largest, billions of followers of Jesus celebrating Palm Sunday today and, and Good Friday and Easter Sunday this, this next week. Uh, unbelievable prophecy from the, the enemies of Jesus. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Nobody changed human history. Nobody has talked about as much as, as Jesus Christ. Now Skip Heitzig says um, the, 
all the groups observed, all four of these groups observed, but only one group, the disciples, followed Jesus. It is good to observe, but it must lead to following. It must lead to following. Now, just as we begin to wrap things up, let me just talk one more time about the donkey. The donkey was the most compliant one in the whole story. He was the most obedient one. Uh, Luke and Mark report that this donkey had never been ridden before. This donkey had never had anybody on his back ever before. He was the most submissive to Jesus. He was the most compliant. And as a result, here he is, a part of the greatest world events to launch the, the greatest week that changed human history. A G.K. Chesterton has written a poem about this Palm Sunday donkey. It goes like this. And by the way, don't you love that hair? That, if you want to know what I'm going to look like in heaven so you can recognize me, that's the haircut I'm going to have in heaven right there. Okay. When fishes flew and forest walked and figs grew upon thorn, some moment when the moon was blood, then surely I, the donkey, was born. With monstrous head and sickening cry and ears like errant wings, the devil's walking parody on all four-footed things. The tattered outlaw of the earth, of ancient crooked will, starve, scourge, deride me, I am dumb, I keep my secret still. Fools, for I also had my hour, one far fierce hour and sweet. There was a shout about my ears and palms before my feet. <laughs> now here's how I want to conclude uh, this message. The same God that engineered this donkey, the same God that orchestrated all these events and inspired people to predict it, these events centuries, um, sometimes millennia uh, before they happened. That same God, do you think that same God can take care of all of us during this coronavirus pandemic? And is this God where you want to place your security and, and your trust? Our observation of this story leads to the conclusion that he is trustworthy and it leads us to want to follow him. I want to talk to uh, three groups of people uh, before, before I close with prayer. Uh, the first group are those that have never committed your life to Christ. And today could be your day. What better day than the start of Holy Week uh, maybe the coronavirus has kind of gotten your attention. It slowed you down to think about eternal things. And all you have to do is, is think of three words. First of all, sorry. God, I'm sorry for the sin and the wrongdoing in my life. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry I haven't loved other people as I should. I haven't um, thought the things I should always think or say the things that I shouldn't have said. I'm sorry. And then thank you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross that first Good Friday on Holy Week 2,000 years ago, thank you for dying on the cross so that spiritually I didn't have to die. There would be no more barrier between God and me. And then please, please come into my life and be my king. Sit on the throne of my heart. 
be the king, the leader of my life. And then a second group. Maybe you used to follow Jesus, but you've kind of drifted. And maybe this whole coronavirus pandemic has just gotten, it's just God's gotten your attention again. Uh, here's what I would encourage you to do. Say, say three words, uh, the same three words. God, I'm sorry that I kind of neglected you, forgot about you, and put you on the back burner of my life. But thank you that you continue to pursue me even when I stopped pursuing you. Jesus, please help me to, to stir up that first commitment, to rededicate myself, to recommit myself to follow after you once again. And then to a third group that includes all of us um, that are feeling stressed and fearful and burned out and crushed by this pandemic that we're a part of globally, all of us together. Uh, three things I want to share with you to do. Wait. Uh, the Bible says, those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. And then the second word is fear not. Fear thou not, for I am with thee, God says. Be not dismayed. I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yeah, I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. And then the third word is come unto me. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's pray together. That first group, oh Lord, pray with me silently as I pray out loud. I'm so sorry for how I have failed you for the sin in my life, but thank you that Jesus died on the cross so that I could be forgiven. Please come as my king and sit on the throne of my heart. For those that have drifted from the Lord, Lord, I'm so sorry that I've kind of neglected you and, 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 and kind of you faded as a priority in my life. Thank you that you've continued to pursue me even when I wasn't running after you. Please help me to rededicate myself, recommit myself to following you once again. And then for all of us, oh Lord, we wait on you. Would you renew our strength? Oh Lord, would you take away the fear that's within our heart because knowing that you are in control of all things. And Lord, I come to you because I am weary and I am burdened through this pandemic. Oh Lord, could I find comfort and strength and encouragement in you. Thank you, King Jesus, as you rode into Palm Sunday, that first Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. Thank you that you are still alive today and that there is no other king, no other king like you. No other king could vanquish the war horse or silence the warrior's rage while riding the lowly back of a donkey. No other king could break the dominion of darkness, the tyranny of evil, with a reign of grace and a kingdom of peace. No other king could give his life for the redemption of rebels, his wealth to welcome the outcast. Jesus is that king, the king of glory, son of the living God. Not just another king, not just another prophet, not just another teacher. 
he was the one the world had been waiting for. The one to deliver us from captivity, the son of David and Abraham's chosen seed. He is the goal of the Mosaic law, Yahweh in the flesh. He is the one to establish God's reign and rule, to heal the sick, give sight to the blind, freedom to the prisoners, and proclaim good news to the poor. This Jesus was the creator come to earth and the beginning of a new creation. He embodied the covenant, fulfilled the commandments, and reversed the curse. This Jesus is the Christ that God spoke of to the serpent, the one prefigured to Noah in the flood, the one promised to Abraham, the one guaranteed to Moses before he died, the one promised to David during his reign, the one revealed to Isaiah as a suffering servant, the one predicted through the prophets and prepared for through John the Baptist. He is the Father's Son, Savior of the world, and substitute for our sins. More loving, more holy, and more wonderfully terrifying than we ever thought possible. He is our Jesus, and there is no other king like him. He is our God, our glory, our victorious Savior. There is no other king like him. There is no other king.